All right, Andrew. Hello. Let's let's talk about Jesus, huh? Oh man, let's yeah. I, you know, I'm very fond of Jesus. Are you? I don't know about I don't know about you, <laughs> but but I'm not an official Christian, you know. Um, and and I wouldn't ever dare. Uh, and you're not baptized. Uh, no. Uh, well, maybe I don't know. I, we're kind of Anglican, and Anglican is like atheist Christianity. <laughs> we're like. Anglican is the most un-Christian Christianity, I would say. The, oh, well, mm. the Church of England, right? It began with a bunch of beheadings and of, of Henry VIII's wives. Yeah. My grandpa. But, uh, but, I, but I, and, and my mom took me to, she, she was like, oh, this, he's not going to get a religious education. So she took me around to all kinds of different, different churches. And yeah. um, I, I couldn't find any that I, that I liked. So so eventually I became a Zen Buddhist in my my twenties. Okay. And uh, you know now I'm a tantric Buddhist, but I but I you know I I, I still um, I still love to ex I still love exploring the um, Christian and Jewish mythopoetic traditions. Sure. Mm -hmm. And um, I still think Jesus is cool, but what about you? Well, my my grandfather was a priest. Ah, and so that's why you're such a pagan heretic. Well, I mean, my my grandfather was a priest. My father was a doctor, and so I have like, I have like both sides. I don't know. In, you mean the 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 radical spiritual and the yeah? But the thing medical. is, my grandfather died. I don't know if I told the story before. He died, I think, like 1992, 1993, something like that. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in the in the in the uh, belief that he was a priest because you know where i grew up in the northern part of germany he was kind of famous he had like this huge congregations and like every easter uh, wow. he would there was like a big forest where, where we grew up and in the center mm -hmm. there was like a stage and every easter he would go there and thousands and thousands of people were coming in and listening to his sermon basically and then and then he died and and suddenly the military showed up you know, and so it's like, that was like, yeah, the, the, the military gave him like a proper burial and to his, to mm -hmm. his, to, you know, to, to his burial, all the, you know, th again, thousands and thousands of people came. And I grew up again in the, in the belief, he always have been a priest, you know, because he had always like, he was a big man with this gravitas and you had to be silent and whatever. Mm -hmm. And then like, like three years ago, I kind of Googled him. I don't know why. Um, out of a whim, basically, and then all these websites like clack, 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 came came up, which basically said that he was like a hardcore Nazi because wow. <laughs> so because he he went to the Wehrmacht in 1933, mm -hmm. uh, stayed there till you know he then he invaded basically uh, France 39. Uh, just right after that, he went to the Eastern Front. Uh, for four years or even five years and and was part of all the major battles then so he got all these you know the iron cross and whatever and and then the war was over mm -hmm. and then he just went home uh became a priest because something like psychotherapy uh, uh or psychology wasn't yet available to him to deal with all the trauma i guess because oh, like if you stay like for four years in the eastern front killing people with your shovel 
um i think that's what you do you become a priest and so he met his wife and my mother was born like three years later and so um mm-hmm. he, found, he found jesus um he found but, yeah yeah but did yeah. any was there any re- repercussions of of his uh, be, being in in a nazi soldier later on like not not to my knowledge no no mm-hmm. When you say he was a hardcore Nazi, uh, he was he was a soldier, which is kind of like oh no he 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 had he was a uh, I don't know his rank, but he was a like a like a prop like an officer. I don't know what he was, you know. Mm-hmm. I see an officer. lieutenant or major. I don't know. I don't know what exactly he was, but he was like on the on the ground forces, and but there was no um, no no. He just went home, and nobody talked about this in my youth. So I was like mm. I was like kind of shocked when I found out, but he found. He, yeah, he found Jesus, I think. And mm-hmm. wow, and, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, well, and so well, my, my grandfather was uh, was probably bombing, trying to bomb the hell out of your grandfather. He was a bomb. He was on a bombing route, and uh, he got malaria in India. Yeah. Um, and went down into the hospital and uh, his whole crew was shot down while he was in hospital. Yeah. So so I can thank my existence for the mosquito that bit him. Oh, wow. And gave him malaria. That's so interesting, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's, not, it's like the butterfly effect. It's the mosquito effect. The mosquito you know? effect. Yeah. yeah. Well, I imagine, you know, what we're doing with parallax and, and so i was, I was and mosquito is responsible partly for that <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so i was talking to my wife yesterday and, and do you have this expression good friday it's well that was that was that was yesterday good friday uh-huh wasn't it yeah, I, I uh, yesterday was friday yes yesterday was good friday i think which means that jesus was crucified and then tomorrow is Easter, and it's Easter Sunday. Like I'm an ignorant about these things. Yeah, I, I think so. Yes. But then, why is it Good Friday if Jesus was crucified? It doesn't seem to be very good that he was crucified. I don't know what the German expression is. Good Friday doesn't doesn't ring a bell. Because because uh, because we say Good Friday. I guess because his crucifixion was redeeming humanity, and that would make make it good. But it's still strange to have have it be called Good Friday. I mean, the whole thing is strange that the symbol that we are all preaching to and that is so, so imminent in our culture as a dead guy on the on the cross, you know, that's, yeah. that's, that's so weird. If you think about that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess the Eastern symbols are a little more tame the guy a guy sitting under a tree. Yeah, it's not so <laughs> not so dramatic. Yeah, it's it's inter- integration of death in a way, no? Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I, even Illich always said the corruption of the the best is the worst. So I always thought that like, okay, so there's this there, Christianity at its best can be sort of like you know this is the crucifixion of the ego, right? Um, which is the ultimate spiritual sort of sacrifice. And there is, you know, that's very profound, but then there's, at its worst, it worships death. 
and, and also and also the fact that jesus was the perfect man and the, you know the incarnate god and all this kind of thing uh, carl jung had this interesting point that if you have the perfect man the incarnate god then that with the with the creation of, of christ comes the antichrist right comes comes its opposite so um so Christianity has a heavy, no, but it has, no, what, it has what, a very heavy um, uh, uh, and and confusing kind of history. I think. I, I think what it's still what's what is uh, what's still so interesting uh, on on that whole thing is because I was thinking about again our little ecosystem, and with that, I mean you know us and the store and. I mean, mm -hmm. Rebel Wilson is a little bit bigger, but, you know, um, the intellectual deep web, you know, this, this kind of ecosystem, which yes. exists at the margins of, of society, which is like, mm -hmm. let's, for lack of a better word, just call it like an avant-garde or something like, like a subsystem of society. It's not mainstream. And yeah. so, but, and, and so there, there are two things, and, and we already talked about this. So there's a, there's a discourse going on. That's like the intra, uh, intra con conversation between the communications between the different tribes of you know that subsystem that tribe you know these 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 things. But then then it's also like and I, I was thinking about this. Why do we do that? And it's because we're trying to find the right combination, let's say the right archetype that is able to be transferred from that subsystem into the mainstream. And so, mm -hmm. because I always think that happens, always, you know, you have like, let's say you have like internet and, and, and you know, the scene of comedians and suddenly the kind of perfect archetype pops out and transformed and gets integrated into mainstream. And then course, everybody yeah. else is kind of um, replicating and, um, and, and, and copying that kind of way. Like, just think of Louis CK like 10, 15 years ago. He was like the first big internet comedian that entered you know mainstream from a subsystem you know mm -hmm. and so i was thinking okay so let's let's think about jesus in that kind of way because you have to think it wasn't just jesus and the 12 uh, uh what is it uh, uh, uh apostles yeah so that, that had to be that had to be like a bigger subset of that society back then a new kind of thinking and he as the perfect archetype to enter the mainstream back then and transforming well, people forget that his name was rabbi jeshua and that he comes from a, a rabbinical tradition and and uh you know and he he was a student of john the baptist and yeah but it was not mainstream he had a new, and, he had a new he had a new teaching that's the point yes you know so yeah. he came from the outset from the margins of society was accepted as the perfect archetype and had a new teaching and that happens all the time it happens you know when when you know mm -hmm. in comedy or that's what we are in our society in our you know little you know sure yeah. uh, what we are looking for we are looking for the right guy basically mm -hmm. that is that is such an encapsulation of metamodern post postmodern integral thought not just thought also hard and action so do you think a prophet will emerge no it's like we are no it's like that's, from that's, from from our world from i think like all these people we know and then i mean some people are kind of like you know very intelligent galaxy prophet, brain yeah no prophet is such a loaded word 
but like just a perfect encapsulation of the values that we have right mm -hmm. and and okay. that yeah. and mm -hmm. that will and 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 that what we're looking for so that person can uh, distribute that values within the mainstream and mm -hmm. that is like i, I think that's uh, the the unconscious uh, uh um urge that we all have it's not just the dialogue yeah. within the tribes it's like okay we're looking for somebody who can transform the mainstream because then our our work has kind of a more global yeah. or a bigger but as scale. soon as that person enters the mainstream they lose their vitality um almost usually i mean i mean i was just thinking of not always but how many artists preserve their their mentality when 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 they are crowned let's say the the heroes of the culture i completely agree yes but that's we again in the realm of christianity because what happens is a crucifixion they become that means that, they, they get that means crucified the death of libido <laughs> yeah and then then the next step would be the uh, awakening you know mm -hmm. of of the true artist let's say the artist who invents himself like let's say david bowie mm -hmm. you know because he entered the mainstream he was copied but he had the kind of eerie quality just to he was of the, of the world in the world but not of the world right. in a sense he he never because the person who the real prophet actually is from somewhere else right he doesn't belong there right uh, there's something uncanny about him. He just does not belong in the mainstream. He, he always, you know, so it's almost a fluke when he arrives there or something. Yeah, but David Bowie, wouldn't, wouldn't you agree that David Bowie was kind of the perfect encapsulation? of? What yes, because said? David Bowie was, was, uh, was he, he didn't, he, he, you know, it's like his song Fashion. He, he was ahead of the curve all the time. So he was never, um, he was making the curve, right? Right. So he, 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 he was always ahead of the curve so so he could he was not of his time he was of the future in a way you know that's why it's prophecy because because the prophet it knows the future so he's he's ahead of the horizon point it's like it's so weird when you listen to his life rendition of his famous songs they always have a tilt you know they always have a bend he always performs them uh, in a way that's completely unexpected you know and so and so he has like all these transformations and i think he he you know viewed through a lens of christianity he was exactly you know uh, uh, an image or a replication or like a um um a, a embodiment of the jesus myth basically and and i think that's interesting because then then he's able to transform mainstream like because mm -hmm. he's able Profound to die, day. he's able to die to himself and become something else. Right. You know, and and do that several times. He's able to. Even his last album, Black Star. Have you heard that? Of course, and that's almost like a yeah, that's like an enactment of his own crucifixion. Like yeah, it's, but it's amazing. Like... It's one of his best wow. albums. Yeah, sure it is. Yeah. So, but again, and so I think like what we're doing in our little ecosystem of post postmodern thought and metamodern thought, it's just we're looking unconsciously. We're not just having discourse because the, you know, we're, because we're kind of repeating the ideas that are already within that system. What, what we're also trying to do is like we're looking for, for, for somebody who is looking to, for Jesus. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like an embodiment of somebody who embodies that our our values to enter mainstream and i think 
Mm-hmm. Um, that's so interesting because that's what we should do also. You know, we, we should mm-hmm. enforce that search and, you know, look for people who uh, can do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm wondering, you know, if it's necessary to enter the mainstream, you could never enter the mainstream and still have a hidden influence. In other words, that as a goal seems to be a dangerous goal because then you become the Antichrist if you enter the mainstream, right? Uh, yeah, you, completely. You, you completely, become yeah. the, 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 you know, Mistopheles or, you know, um, whereas, whereas Christ says, give whatever to Rome. And um, he enters the main, Christ enters the mainstream, not by the laws of the mainstream. Uh, so that's, that's the interesting thing. Yeah, that's and, the interesting paradox is you can't you can't enter the mainstream through through the mainstream <laughs> or yeah, yeah, in, that, and, in that way or you can't affect this sort of transformational ch- change which a cultural moment or a cultural being does but using the laws of that particular world yes and furthermore you can't do it you know on on purpose because that's what Joseph Campbell said, you know, mm, the, monomyth, exactly. the first, the first uh, thing has to be, a, you know, um, rejection of that offering to go into mainstream. It's like, yeah. uh, okay, so you, you are great. You have to do, this is your task. And so the hero may it be Neo or whatever said, no, I don't want to do that. Leave me alone. I don't want to enter mm, mainstream yeah. because that is the ultimate proof. You know, so because if he wants, or the devil offers Jesus something in the desert, and he says, "No, I'm not." You know, I I don't want that. Right, because then his motivation is clear. Then his motivation is 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 exactly is clear. And so and so, if you you can't do it voluntarily, it's like you have to do it voluntarily, but on the other side, not voluntarily. You have to be forced out of out of your cave by powers that are greater than you. No. Yeah. Yeah. You have. It has to come from, you know, inspiration, or it's not. It's not. Well, this this question of will to power, right? Is um, well, you write about will and transcendence, and I think we do have to develop a strong will. Right. But I, I think that the the will comes from somewhere else when we really doesn't come from us. Right. Um. You know, the will to, to, you know, it's like what Gurdjieff says. It's like you make an extraordinary effort or something. Um, But, but then, but then, but that's to almost deconstruct the self so that, so that the capital self, (laughs) the Atman or the, you know, the, 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 you know, can, can emerge. Yeah, exactly. And so, because we all want to, what's, what's the English word? We all want to have like an influence, you know, that no, mm-hmm. let's say the ego wants to have like an yes, influence. Yes, you know? yes, of course. Yes. Uh, uh, effic- efficacy is the word, no? You know, Yeah, and we always have to check that all the time because because we have that, right? Right. And so as, as long, as soon as you notice that you're striving for efficacy and you're striving for, you know, some for recognition, you know, mm-hmm. maybe uh, you should put yourself on the cross. Yeah. And you notice that something is being corrupted within you. 
Right. And confess that. And, you know, there's this, you know, oh, this is very intelligent that, and, in the Christian yeah, religion. Right? And that's, like, that's the will to transcendence to do that. Mm-hmm. But you can't will yourself into mainstream or into, into, into efficacies. You know, you can't. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I was listening to Rick Rubin. Do you know who he is? Yeah, of course. I was listening to a, an amazing interview with him and this guy, I think his name was Lex. Lex Friedman. Yeah. Lex mm-hmm. Friedman, a very, very wonderful interview. And, you know, Lex is kind of, he's bringing up all of these classic songs and how they were created and, 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 you know, what did you do? And, and Rick Rubin's response was kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's not nothing I did or it's nothing that was, it just was, I just created an atmosphere for that, for that to emerge. And then, you know, like the Johnny Cash song hurt, mm. which is a massive song on some level. It's just, it's this old man singing, you know, his last song in a way. And, um, I'm confessing his, uh, his hubris yeah. and, uh, um, it's this most beautiful song and it's after Johnny Cash is almost like he's, he's, he's he's half paralyzed and his voice is half broken and he sings this very pure song you know and so how did that how how did that happen he didn't know he didn't plan it he wasn't constructed in any way you know he just sort of was good at creating a a, a, an intimate space for the musicians to feel naked you know Mm -hmm. that's what that's what rick rubin kind of was really good at doing and simplifying things down to to their bare essentials so, um, so, and he, you know, he was talking about, I can't remember the song where, when this great song kind of emerged in his studio and, and the guys were like, and, uh, and then he was just like, what's next? We did this. And then he was like, moved on right to the next thing. It's like, okay, let's do the next one. Well, mm-hmm. he, he was aware that something really, you know, heaven and earth had opened up and something had been created of, of importance and beauty. But, uh, but he said, let's go on to the next one because, because we have, to, we, we can never, um, proclaim the authorship of, of that. Uh, and, and once we start to do that, that's when the corruption oh, wow. co- mm-hmm. comes in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw a snippet of that interview. I, I will give it a watch because like Rick Rubin is so interesting. I, did you see that um, McCartney thing yeah. with this three hour McCartney? Yeah. Thing? And Rick he was Rubin. talking about that and how he did that. And what he did was he tried to make all the microphones invisible and yeah. uh, uh, create this black dark room. Everybody wore black and wore, you know, walked in, you know, slippers. And so that he could be totally unaware that there was a camera or that there was a microphone or that, that he, he wanted to reduce it down to just the most simple conversation between right. two, two people. Um, which is kind of interesting because it's kind of like what we try to do on our podcast and my pod, you know, anyway, but, but, but I think he, Rick Rubin really uh, is, is a um, genius of, of bringing out that in people. You know, that was an amazing documentary, you know, yeah, sure. Be- because, you know, the simplicity and, you know, the intimacy of that whole thing. Exactly. And, I mean, and, and his love of music, you no, know, it's like, that's above all, you mm-hmm. know, he just, he's just so, He's just a child, you know, it's like he has like this childlike quality that he, you know. Yeah, a childlike quality and this and and a, and a real, he can, he can kind of, again, maybe that's something we were, what, it, what real genius is, 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 is a childlike quality and yet a, a, an incredible insight at the same time into, into 
into the moment. Um, I think, you know, that would be my problem with Christianity, you know, mm -hmm. because uh, what is, what, it, what um, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all super ego, you know, in the Freudian sense, do this, don't do that. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, what's, what's with the, what's with the child? You know, it's like the, there's, there's no, there's no glorification of, of the openness and the genius of the child. Well, the isn't wisdom. the baby Jesus, isn't that the point of that, you know, in, in a sense? Um, no, that's just baby Jesus in a crib. You don't know mm -hmm. what happened between uh, six months then and his 30th year of, of age. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what happened? And so the myth well, of... The I, but I think, I think Christianity kind of worships in, in, innocence. That might, that's my, another dark side of Christianity at times. But does it though? But you're but talking like, about so, the law. The, you're yeah, talking but, about the law, but that's the, you know, in Ju the Jewish religion, there's the, the, they talk about the Torah and then they talk about the, um, the, the Torah being a punishment because people couldn't hear the word of God directly. So all these rules and laws and, and um, are, were because people were, were not ready. Well, that's kind of interesting, I thought. And so the, actually the, the what is it the secret torah or the is is the torah where where you speak to god directly and and i think christianity uh, uh, the oral torah rather than the written torah and so so I, i heard one rabbi say jesus was a teacher of the oral torah he just opened the whole thing up but that was extremely dangerous because people are not ready for that and that's why that's why uh christianity has such a dark side almost the opposite of what you're saying because it It, it tries to throw away all the rules it, and, then, and then it brings them back uh, um. I mean maybe my, maybe my, my conception of Christianity is tainted by you know going back to the, to the gravitas of my grandfather yeah. but you know from you know from my point of view it's it's all morals and ethics and how you should behave yeah you know and so and there is I mean in, in built of course, wisdom in that, otherwise it wouldn't have lasted that long. But at the same time, you know, uh, the, it's, what we're worshiping is a dead guy on the cross. We're not worshiping the, uh, the God as, as, as a child. Because I, I mean, not the literal child, I mean, God as child, you know, as, you know, that what we're talking about, Rick Rubin, the openness, you mm -hmm. know, the joy uh, and the infinite joy, let's say, of what, what a child can have and the wisdom that is, which is in there, you know, the, you know, the uh, openness to experience, to the, the creativity, all that stuff that is, you know, necessary if you have to be like, a, let's say David Bowie, an artist, you know, that, that, inner, that, that openness to that inner child that you have, which enriches and, and, and enlivens existence. Because if you're just on the Christian side of things, with all the morals and the superego, you have to do this, don't do that, you know, then, then, you, then the image is of death and of the woman, uh, which is dressed The covered black. woman, yeah, the, the woman. And so what, what is... Yeah, well, I remember D.H. Lawrence saying that, the, that we, we, this is Easter, right? That the Christians often are obsessed with the, the crucifixion, but forget about the resurrection. Right, and so you need, where's, where's the uh, joy in it, you know? Where's, where is the, uh, the woman as the happy harlot, you know? As mm -hmm. the, the strong woman 
that is so in contact with her body and her inner self and and uh, and and her desires and and so and and her strengths and who's not uh like dressed in black but dressed in red let's say yes and, yes. and because yes. you know and, well, and, yeah again that that is that is that is the the repression that christianity brought it doesn't have that side it doesn't have the tantric side to it yeah, but I think it does maybe in esoteric circles, and that you could find it if you looked for it. But, but, um, but, 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 in terms of its outward manifestation, yeah, no, exactly, it's it's gone. But then again, like I think David Bowie, and I think we're. I find that I was thinking about this actually because you know, I often have a hard time with, with Christian moralism and Christians. And, you know, I have a, like, I fight with that, like when I'm with them and I feel like, oh God, they're going to try to convert me or something. And they think I'm a pagan and they, they're, they want to bring the universal history and they're sort of, they always want to convert you and hang you, hang you up on the cross with them or something. It's like, no, thank you. I don't, I'm not buying Jehovah's witnesses come to your house. And then, um, you know, they call you a sinner and a pagan and an but at the same time i'm very influenced by christianity i'm, I'm extremely um and i think david bowie was as well and i think the whole co entire culture is but but the outsider christianity and even the christian thinkers that i that i that i love the most are always sort of on the outside of christianity like Ivan Illich or Northrop Fryer or Marshall McLuhan's are they're always kind of oddball outsider christians that are the more interesting christians so, so Christianity in the center is very interesting, but at, on the edges, I mean, in the center is very uninteresting, but, but on the edges is very interesting. That's how I see it anyway. I mean, yeah. I think there's very, a lot of, I think if you look at Jesus and the disciples and, the, you know, this whole stories, of, uh, that, that was a very tantric situation, which became very corrupted over time. Maybe they were all gay. Well, there, there is, there is a, some serious scholarship. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's a series from Seth Rogen, the preacher. There's a serious scholarship about, uh, you know, I think it was Jesus and John, uh, you know, being lovers and things like, you know, so why not? Who cares? I mean, <laughs> you know, no, what, and also, and also the fact that, you know, he, Jesus never had sex really. Come on. I mean, Mary Magdalene and he, he spent a lot of time with the whores. If you look at the tantric masters who were realized that they were always, I mean, why 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 these why this heavy moralism why these why these why these strict laws and why all this heavy-handed there's stuff a there's an interesting series it's called the preacher and it, it plays with these themes you know because it always goes back to time and mm -hmm. time when jesus lived and so he was like he was like different but the point that you were making and i i want to i want to expound on that because um so we are we're so embedded in christianity and when you read max weber you know, and, and, and the soci sociologist. Um, so our conceptions of work, let's say, because mm -hmm. you could say like, you know, don't do this, don't do that. You know, the Christian values don't apply to us anymore, but our conceptions of work day, of working and of, you know, of having relationships that's so inherently Christian, you know, you have to have a job, you have to work eight hours, Sunday's your free day. You know, that's like, that's, that's Protestantism. In, in its mm -hmm. core, like if you follow if you follow Max Weber, and so oh, yeah. what I, I mean... and so what I what I, I'm coming to the point now. Like, in in opposition to this, 
what I mean with the myth and the glory of God as child, right? What I mean with this is like, okay, so you have, you have the Christian doctrine of, let's say, work, and you can go uh, for 40 years, 50 years, your job, nine to five job. It's like you don't really need to love it, you know, but you get some money, you're safe, and you don't have to think about this anymore. Or you take responsibility and say, okay, no, I do it my way. You know, mm. you have the, the uh, creative and, let's say, phallic energy to not follow that Christian path, but to say, okay, what, what, are, your, what are your true capacities? What are your true uh, desires? You know, what do you do? What do you want to do in this world? You know, and mm -hmm. find a way to do it, even if it doesn't uh, pay off in the beginning that much. But, but be, the payment is that, that you're doing it and that you have, you know, this childlike fascination with will and, and, and you know, mm -hmm. do, going your way in the world, you know. And so that's a different kind of myth, you know. Well, you know what I'm saying? It's like you can, you can um, as an example. Well, you know, when you say worship the God, the child as God, it sounds very Christian. No, God as child, not God as child. child as God. That sounds very Christian to me. Um, so, so that's why I'm, I'm kind of struggling with what, what you're I, saying. I don't mean child as God. I mean God as child. Like you have to be a child to enter the kingdom of heaven and all these sort of things that Jesus was was saying. No, I'm, I'm talking about the image. The image of Christianity is either. Of, of a deaf man, dead man on the cross, or of a black-dressed woman, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. These are the two core images. Yeah. But what about, what about... Um, um, Krishna, the Krishna child who is dancing in the forest and playing his flute with all the, the gopis around him and, you know, like something like that, like this, this extremely ecstatic, um, life-positive vision that, that, yeah, that or let's say let's say in egyptian uh, uh mythology you have horus as a child mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. right and so you have like this dual nature of him because he is at one side he's like a, a warrior like uh god but then you have this manifestation of him because like he has like this manifestation uh, in relationship to the sun right mm -hmm. and so then then he appears also as a child well, I, I, the part of child that I I, under, I think you're saying is a sort of infinite energy, right? Exactly, of, infinite of, of, of creativity, not not this crucifixion. <laughs> no, know. infinite, infinite joy, yeah. infinite. But you just eros, keep going even libido. after death, you know. Yes, just... it's a, it's a it's a sun coming up, you know, yeah. the uh, the eternal rising sun, the eternal, you know, that uh, it's called in, in Egyptian, it's Herupakrat um, or something. Mm -hmm. So you have like this infinite, infinite uh, joy and infinite libido. It's like, that's what, because that is what a child has. You know, it's like, have you seen the videos? You know, I, I think mm -hmm. like one scientist put like a video, uh, like cameras inside a house um, and just observe the kind of movements a baby does in the course of one day. And, you know, just like walking around. You know, on all all fours and oh, and I have a two year old, so I uh, yeah <laughs> yeah, and it's like the, the energy they have, that's that's like that's it's bonkers. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah, and so yeah. I'm yeah, talking and then, about, and then as you grow up, that that gets kind of reduced and kind of like like 
Yeah, but there's only rare people who who can keep that. Yeah, and I'm talking when I'm saying God as child, I'm talking about that aspect of evolution because mm -hmm. a child has to have that kind of energy yes. or like a 16 year old has to have like a hard on every two minutes because that's evolution. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, you, you say evolution and you say six. That's interesting because all the tantric deities are 16. Right. Uh, they're all 16 <laughs> years old and they're they're eternal. That, you know, that is the symbol uh, and it is a kind of symbol of eternal youthfulness. It's not an old man sitting on a you know a, you know grumpy old man. <laughs> it's a it's it's this symbol of of um, infinite energy. Uh, yeah, that's, so, that's so super interesting. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, and that's what I mean with God as child, evolution as child, evolution as a adolescent. Yeah. Yeah, know? I like that. Yeah. And so yeah. and so because that's because you said like uh, because the other image of Christianity is that obviously of an old man on, on his throne. It's like, where's the energy in that? There's yeah. no libido in that. There's no libido in the dead man. There's no libido in the uh, uh, in the uh, woman dressed in black. And there's no libido in, in, in the old man on the throne. It's like, mm -hmm. OK, so we, that's well, dead. maybe it's imbalanced because we do have to deal with the death side. Right. Like in the tantric imagery, in one hand, you know, he he holds us, uh, he holds a, a trident, which is 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 um, well, trident, passion, aggression. No, there's there's always a there's always a skull, there's always skulls, are, are, you know, as as part of the tantric imagery. But right. they're also contrasted with with this, you know, splendorous, <laughs> you know beautiful naked bodies and so there, so you have this contrast you have the you have both i think you need both yeah no exactly i completely agree I, not just but i but i guess i i think the christianity is dies itself it's like the christian myth is like it dies like like jesus dies on the cross it it becomes more morose and morbid and and deathly because because it it doesn't it doesn't re resurrect itself. I, or... I think that's 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 the key to understand why Nietzsche uh, 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 glorified himself as a living Dionysus. When you yeah. especially like if you read his crazy notes, you know, it's like yeah. and and you know the reports of what he was like doing and before his uh, stage of darkness, let's say. But when he was like celebrating his being you know the Dionys Dionysian child of of youth and and energy and yes you know yes. because he was the antipode uh of well of, he was he he self-consciously put him up, himself up as the antichrist didn't he, he was like I, i'm again no not as the um, antichrist no as a as a Dion uh, as dionysus as dionysius yes but he he he, he did at the end of his life he said i am the you know <laughs> the near didn't he? Didn't he praise the Antichrist on, on some level? Ah, oh, yeah. There's a book. Of, yeah, that's true. Yes. He called it. There's a book called the Antichrist, and then yeah. right at the end of his life, he 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 proclaimed himself as 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 being yeah. know, the crucified one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting that he he kind of his strong reaction to Christianity sort of turned him into a, a Christian sacrifice at the same time. That like. Because I think there was yeah. A well, that, that's the paradox we all have to deal with, you know. That's mm -hmm. that's so that's so instructive what you just said. Like yeah. like I, I think one of this who was it uh, Walter Kaufman was saying that he kind of embodies Protestantism on, on some level because it's that he what it's, I didn't it's, get it's that a Protestantism 
it, it's a it's a protest against uh you know rather okay. than because the child is not is not is not is not the antichrist <laughs> you know he's not protesting no. against no right right he he's 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 i mean this 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 infinite energy is not for or against Okay, so are you familiar with Eric Burns' theory of transactional transactional analysis? A little bit, but but not not. And so, so he, he was been. a disciple of Freud, you know. Mm -hmm. And so he had like this idea that you know you have like the super ego, you have the ego, and you have the the kid, you know, inside yeah, of yeah. you. You know, mm -hmm. not the not the it, but he calls it the child, you know. The um, and so and so transactional analysis starts when you when you talk think about uh, what happens if the superego talks with the ego or the superego talks to the child you mm -hmm. know and so but the point is that he d differentiated between different types of childlike its right mm -hmm. and so you have four types and so you have the conform um, mm -hmm. Childlike, you have the non-conform childlike. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, that's like a, a conform one is like uh, the child that doesn't break the rules and says yes to everything. Yes, I will do. I will do this. Uh, Papa, Mama, I, I will do that. The non-conform one is child as let's say the punk. You know that one. Yeah. 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 I'm, true, I'm, true, so true. okay. So then breaks everything. Yeah. Okay. Then, but then there are two other par, uh, two other manifestations, and the 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 one is like the accepted now what, what is the the english translation what would be that you know the accepted free child so that is a child that is acts outside of the boundaries of social norms mm -hmm. but is accepted from society for that mm -hmm. you know and so you know these kind of kids from from your youth that were like they were like they were not like this anti-thing and they were like not conform but they were kind of free you know, they were kind of doing their thing and they were like, yeah. you know, and then the other, the, the duality of that, the, the antipode of that is the, the free kid that is not accepted for being free. And so mm. this kind of kid is always like kind of struggling with his role in society. Um, mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm, sure. And so mm. he, he differentiated between four types of it's or four types of, you know, inner childs let's say and mm -hmm. i found that i found that very interesting because um now i've lost the well i read this great book by um marie louise von Frems called per Atteris, and it was about it was about um the little prince i wrote an article about that yeah uh, um and, and there's these two poles that she describes is is the per atteris i think i don't know how i'm saying that right it's the latin word that means golden boy yeah um and, and then there's the senex uh and the senex is the bitter old angry man right mm -hmm. and um uh, throughout life you know we we uh, you know the, the, the we 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 navigate you know this this death and, and life business right chronos eats his children in the end right chronos is the senex i think i don't know if i'm confusing mythologies here but but there was something about chronos as well being the old man that devours its children and yeah um um but the per so she described the little prince you know the the in, uh, um uh this book this famous uh book and the little prince is is it's, it's a bit like peter pan right he's the peter pan character and he 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 sort of hates society and he he kind of 
he hates the the the, the world of the of the adult world and so he kind of gets stuck um um so the, the i guess the idea is is that we have to keep this per atheris, we have to keep the golden child without without him committing suicide on some level which is what sort of um, Saint Exubery, you know, died in a plane crash. He, he um, you know, he was too close to his, you know, his mother, and and he had this very intense childlike, creative aspect, but he didn't move into the adult world fully. Um, he didn't make that sacrifice. Uh, but the trick is, how do we make that sacrifice and move into the adult world fully, without losing uh, losing that 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 energy and right. becoming the bitter old uh, Senex, the the bitter old, you know, yeah, dried well, up old old person. Yeah, well, I, yeah, finish. Yeah, I think that's that's the point. But but again, and I think there's some artists who are very, you know, Picasso kind of make, maintained that in his older that state of creativity in his older age, and, and and others who are who can do that, but most people, you know, can't. Yeah, well, the the beauty of that model of uh, of the structural model of Eric Byrne is that. You always carry a, like a like a super ego, like a parent voice, like a rational voice, and a childlike mm. voice. Like a, you always carry it with you. But he just says, okay, there there are like four different child voices that you can have: either mm -hmm. conform, non-conform, accepted free, or not accepted free. And I think that what we are talking about, in terms of, I don't think you could overlay the golden boy the peter pan figure with the accepted free one because the accepted free one is somebody like picasso or david bowie who can do who, both you know yeah. who are always are free who always yeah. will be free and who will always be accepted by society because you know and they're not haunted by that that voice uh, uh you know they're not one of those you know they're not the tortured artist no oh, exactly the free artist the torture artist is the one that is you know fighting always fighting against the superego to, to maintain that no no that no 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 the, the what i mean what eric byrne means is that if you say like let's say um van gogh right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he is a, a free inner child but he's not accepted for that and yes that, yes that's yes. that's where the fight comes but he doesn't fight against because if he would he would be just a non-conform kid right mm -hmm. he is free He no, is, but he has, but he's tor tormented by those voices. No, he's tormented because he's not accepted. Yes, for his freedom. Yes, yes. but he's not. He's not reacting against society because he's free. Yes. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, because that the, the, the child that is reacting against society—that's the punk that says "fuck you." That's, that's the non-conform kid. That's the non-conform kid. And so, Van Gogh would be. A that's a good. That's an interesting, you know, difference there. Yeah. And so, so it's like these are the difference between Van Gogh and Picasso, let's say, for example. Yeah. You know, and like Nietzsche, for example, he was also uh, not accepted, but he was in in his childlike being, he was free. You know. Yeah, and they're that they're often they're the tragic figures too, right. aren't they? They're always the tragic figures. Right. Mm -hmm. They always had like Rambo or something. They always have this like tragic life, right? Right. Uh, uh, Jim Morrison, you know, because yeah. he was like, he was in, he was really free, but he, I mean, he was kind of accepted, but, you know, he, he, he wasn't, you know, he, he had all this, the trials pending, you know, and newspapers. Yeah, I mean, 
I don't know. He was, he was, he was, of course he was eaten up by this, you know, he was, he was, he was a sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, um, yeah, and so it's like this. Or so, here's the Icarus going too close to the sun and something like that. Yeah. Have you ever read the white album from John Didion? Little parts of it, but I, I know I know what you're referring to. Um, no, I've read parts she, of it. She's a very good writer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. know she she I just read yesterday that part about the doors, which which I found like super interesting. You know, mm. you remember that part? No. Um, because she she was in the studio when the doors, you know, produced the third album, I guess. And uh -huh. and they didn't know, you know, everybody had their you know function there, and but nothing really worked because Morrison wasn't there. You know, it's like, um, and they were like, already, he was already kind of gone or something. No, 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 no. Half he was gone. just not. He was. He was not physically that, there. Okay. He was. He was partying and he wasn't there. So he, they they mm -hmm. were just like tweaking, you know, uh, the the record, but it wasn't going forward. And then he was like coming in in the studio, and she describes that nobody was reacting to his appearance and to his to his presence. And so he he was just like sitting on the couch, and you know, Raymond Zarek was like working with his organ and 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 Densmore the drummer was like doing something with his drum and then Morrison was just sitting for for an hour on the sofa nobody was talking and then he said something like yeah maybe we should go in the desert and then <laughs> and so that was like after an hour of non-communication he was like you know he was like that guy that reminds me so much of of Ragnar Lothbrok, you know, from Vikings, you know, it's just like the soft spoken, but you know, it's like a little bit of, a little bit, have you seen uh, Vikings? Yeah, I remember that part. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean. Yeah. You know, yeah. this kind of, you know, soft spoken, but then, you know, everybody listens to, you know. Well, it reminds me also of a Thelonious Monk and who he was like, he didn't talk very much. Right. Um, uh, but, they said that every time that he said something, he kind of devastated the room. Or, right, you know, right. It was everything he said was was was, uh, uh, and 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 uh, they said it's timing. He has this incredible sense of, of of timing. Right. So he didn't have to say much. He didn't have to. He didn't have to do the other things, the dramas that everybody else had to. He didn't have to play the social role. He just kind of he he just he had this presence, and then. You know, he he'd play the piano in, in, in this odd rhythmic way and and um, and he would just, you know, when he would play, heaven and earth would open up. Right? Yeah, but <laughs> you there know? you have it, Andrew. There yeah. you have it. It's yeah. like we're talking you were just saying he wouldn't what did you say he wouldn't comply to societal norms? No, he yeah, exactly what you no, were saying. No, but that's he, what he, we're talking he, about. He, he didn't have to because he didn't he didn't need to do that. And that's the free child. That's you know? freedom. That's yeah. a that's a free uh, libidinal child within yeah, us. That's very good. Yeah, mm. you know, and and I think that's beautiful. It yeah. is. It, it's incredible. Yeah, and, and yeah, and people like that, uh, you know, often have a lot of power, but then, but then, you know, they die young, or and that's the question. Why is like why are like twenty like basically twenty nine years of uh, the life of G Jesus, why is that omitted from scripture? You know, that's so weird because 
all the interesting stuff happens between 15 and let's say 27, 28. Because yeah. 27 is also, I think you mentioned that in one other episode, that 27 is one of those ages where there's a transformation from, you know, young man to older man. And that's why those artists like die. They don't make they the trans, they don't yeah, make you know, it through. So, but, yeah. why, mm -hmm. but why does the, the New Testament start basically with Jesus being 30 or 29 or how old? 33, he was crucified at 33, right? Oh, when does it start? Yeah. No, 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 no. He was old. He wasn't not with no, 30. he was crucified at age 33. That was, that's, that, that Is was that true? He, Is that the Bible? Yeah, 33. I thought, yeah. I think it was, was, are you sure? No, no, it's 33, definitely. Because I remember the first line in the Henry Miller's book. It's like, I, I, I just turned 33 the year that Jesus was crucified. I'm the happiest man alive or something. I don't know if you remember that from, I think his book, uh, Tropic of Cancer, or was it, you know, sexist, but. 33 no, years no, old is the year. Um, sorry, sorry, Andrew. He, um, when I, I, look, I look it up in Google, it just says Jesus um, Age died eight, uh, like with 30 or 33. But but the, the age that people usually say that he died is age 33. So that's a big... No, 33, a, a, not 23. I said 33, yeah. No, you said 23. Oh, no, no, I said 33. Yeah, yeah, no. You said 23. Oh, maybe one time I said... Okay, no, then we're on par. No, so, okay, with 30, 30 or 33. So what happened in the 30 years between that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, there's some Gnostic Gospels, and there's all kinds of stories that were taken out at the Council of Nicaea. Like, for example, apparently... This is, I don't know if this is true. He killed somebody when he was a kid by accident. And <laughs> there's all kinds of weird stories that you find in the Gnostic Gospels uh, um, describing another kind of Jesus than the idealized version that we want to uh, believe in. Yeah, but that's, isn't that interesting mm -hmm. that it's omitted from the Bible what happened? Because again, that's the most interesting time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, talking about, you know, Rimbaud and 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 Jim Morrison and you know the you know all that libidinal energy you have in that age. Why 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 don't we know nothing about that? And this this is like this the, the strangest thing to me that we you know that 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 is not. Well, I think the whole point of the crucifixion is it's it's the most horrible thing that could happen to a person. It's like it happens in the prime of life. Um. You know, sure. No, I get that. You know, it, it's something that happens right in the prime of. Uh, but know, why is it that the tantric traditions, as you said, have both images of death and and youth, mm -hmm. and, but the Christianity doesn't? Just Christianity is just about you know the dark side and death, and there's nothing about you know. Well, you Christians know. would deny that, but but uh, but um, but I think there is there's. There's a, there is a lack of joy in the imagery and, and, and in the yeah, that's what I'm talking expression, about. Why, sure. Mm -hmm. Why? Yeah, why? I mean, that's that's why you feel so depressed when you go in churches. There's this heavy, heavy, terrible, heavy feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but um, and yeah, you know, I think that's right. I think that that that, that there needs that. If Christianity is to be available in the future, the um, the other side of that has to emerge, <laughs> right. especially and also the feminine side of it. I mean, there's people who are talking about Mary Magdalene and things like that. And yeah. So 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 I think it's there. 
I just think it's 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 been buried in the just the sutra culture. I mean, I, I saw the same thing when I went about in Buddhism when I went to the Museum Gimli in, in Paris. All of the Buddhist statues, um, after a certain point in history, became very sterile and they were just bodhisattvas. They're very pure, right? Oh, right. The Buddha sitting under a tree and 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 Kuan Yim and all these very pure images of the Buddha. Yeah, it was after the Muslim invasions after Tantra was wiped out. Whereas whereas the um, I think by by the Muslim, in the Muslim invasions, whereas whereas um, before that the, there was there was sexual imagery, there was there yeah. was the protectors with the skull cups, and you know they it would but it was it was like a, a trans a, you know transformation of the pagan energies. Um, the, the, both sides were represented, but but I think society always sort of codifies everything and makes everything safe and. I'm sure the same thing is true in Christianity, uh, in a way, that it, that it, it's whitewashed. Yeah. Um, well, no, but that happens. You know, we talked. Uh, so the you sutra, know. the sutra. You know, the, because maybe I don't know. Maybe can, can a society be tantric, or does it all? Is no, always but you know, you just you answered your own question in the beginning of the of this episode when you said, you know, as soon as. As some some archetype or some new form enters mainstream, it loses all its liberal yes. forms. Yes, yes, you know? yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it's always how do we keep the the the, the Holy Spirit living? <laughs> you know. We also answered this. You know, some big-breasted yeah. Norwegian horse. We need a big-breasted Norwegian <laughs> horse, obviously. That's what, that's what we need. <laughs> Thank you for, for, for reminding me, Tom. I, I welcome, Andrew. <laughs> I get very serious, and then and then you, you bring me down to the, well, the basic. essential the things no, that sex. no no basically matter. No, no, because um, again, Dawes, you know, the, the, the notion, and John Didier talked about this the notion that God is sex and sex is life, and you know, sex is death also, and you know, these these kinds mm -hmm. of things you have to, as as the motto of the doors, you know, you have to, you have to contend with those things. You know, sex is not something that is brutish or raw. It's like it's it, there's God in there, you know, and mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. and you know because what Christianity did was to kind of make make sex a brutish thing, but mm -hmm. I think the tantric you know traditions have a completely different notion. Of what sexuality is is basically because a, a it's, much more relaxed notion. Yeah, yeah because uh, it's for not one the, thing, mm -hmm. sex is not part of the desert of the real. Sex is the the you know the the joyful place of the gods if you do it correctly, and that's mm, something else completely. Yep. Yep. Mm -hmm. Agree with that. All right, Andrew. So we did our Christian uh, sermon uh, for, for... <laughs> yeah. Go fucking people. Go go fuck. Yes. Go. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I don't know. William Blake, for example, was a guy who understood that. Right. That's th true. He's he was he's you know I was thinking about tantra and Christianity, and I think if we have one exemplar of Christian tantra, that would be William Blake. So that's so, interesting. Uh, yeah. He he's an absolute massive figure as far as I'm concerned. Because yeah. he was all about that, what you were talking about, infinite energy and yeah, 